So we've spent this summer walking through Psalms 1 through 12. This is the last in this summer's series in the Psalms, where we're looking at what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean when God calls somebody blessed in the ups and downs of life? When life get, We know the moments where things are, are up, and it's easy to be like, oh, this is what it means to be blessed. Like, look at how great my life is. But we've been walking through the Psalms really with the question, what does it mean to be blessed when life is really, really hard? In some ways, I think we've discovered as we walked through this that most of the Psalms deal with the low moments. What does it mean to walk with God? What does it mean to hear His voice? What does it mean for us to pray and to sing from those difficult and low moments? And I, I would have thought by now, we in 12 weeks, we would have exhausted enough topics about what does it mean to pray when life's hard? What does it mean when I'm just on the edge and I want to give up? And what we're finding is that God has given us a book in the Bible to teach us to pray from all kinds of moments. But it, it leads me to go, what is, what, is, what is the normal Christian life? What is, the, what is the normal expectation that we have? If we listen to TV preachers or radio preachers, if we read articles and we read books or we talk to other people, what is, what is it normally like to walk with Jesus? And the Psalms are God's prayer book, God's hymn book, God's song book for us to begin to sing from all sorts of moments. Today we're going to be looking in Psalm chapter 12. It's a psalm for those moments where we go, God, I either want to give up or I want to throw a tantrum. God, I either want to give up or I want to throw a tantrum. That's the kind of moment that we find in Elijah's life, which is, I love the story of Elijah when he is on Mount Carmel and he challenges the prophets of the rival god to like this like sacrifice off. Like, hey, you take some animals and pray to your God and see if he'll send fire down and I'll pray to the true God and see if he sends fire down and we'll prove who the real God is. So he sets up this competition. He douses his animals with jars and jars and jars of water. So it's sopping wet and obviously the false gods don't deliver and send fire down, but the God of Israel sends fire down. But what's interesting about the end of that story is that then when the kingdom's not overthrown, the false gods and the king and queen who worship the false gods are still on the throne. Elijah runs for the mountains and throws a tantrum and says, God, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left who worships you and who prays to you. Elijah, we would think, has been through this moment of look at what cool thing God has done through me. And then he runs for the wilderness and says, God, like I'm it. I'm, I'm your last hope. Why are you doing this? Today's psalm is for that kind of moment where we might find ourselves. In that point where we're like, God, I'm tired of praying. If you're not going to answer my prayer for healing, if you're not going to answer my prayer to restore, God, if you're not going to fix this, I'm out. I've been there. I'm, maybe some of you have been there. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're teetering on the edge of just going, God, what? what's up? Psalm chapter 12 is a prayer for that kind of moment. So turn there with me. 
Psalm chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongues we will prevail. Our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. Let's pray. God, as we open this psalm, help us to, to hear your invitation to pray from those kind of places that David found himself surrounded, tempted to give up. Help us learn to pray from that kind of place and find an abiding security even if the situation doesn't change. In Jesus' name, amen. This psalm there starts with God help because nobody is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. David, as you've heard me maybe you've heard me say in the the last several weeks David's entire life was really spent with sin inside him causing problems or everybody else's sin around him causing problems David was in a perpetual state of crisis if he wasn't having an affair and having somebody murdered if he wasn't disobeying God and calling for a census if he wasn't going off and doing his own thing it was his children rebelling against him and hurting one another if, if it wasn't David who was making the problem, it was his rival's son who was causing the problem for him. And so this psalm starts in this place, God, I live in a world of lies, and I'm in despair over the state of the world. The righteous are disappearing. God, verse 2, here, like this, everybody lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their, their hearts. David is writing from this place of insecurity. There's just threats all around. Who's going to deliver? Who's going to tell the truth? God, I'm the only person left who sees what's happening and is telling the truth. Verses 3 and 4, then he's, David starts to say, like, listen to what they're saying, God. Like, silence their lips. That they just say, by our tongues we will prevail. Our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? This David is saying, there, I am surrounded by people whose hearts are proud, who they think they know how the world should run. And they're telling everybody else, hey, I'm in charge and God's not going to do anything about this. And so this is the situation that David is in. I'm surrounded by wickedness. It's insecurity. And so we've been walking through the Psalms as the Psalms tell us about problems and trouble and what does it mean to pray from the valley? What does it mean to pray from the desert? And yet here once again, David is like, I'm in a desert. I'm in a wilderness surrounded by lies. Who is going to do something about it? Verse 5 gives us the center of this Psalm. This is where, so God, listen to their words. Do you hear what they are saying? Hear what they are doing to hurt me and to hurt us and to hurt your people. Verse 5 because the, Lord, the poor are plundered 
and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. This psalm is this push and pull between, do you hear what they're saying? And God saying, hey, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. These are my words. It's this push and pull where David is like, all I hear is lies and unfaithfulness. God, where's the truth? And so here, this is the point where God speaks, where the, God the Lord speaks and says, because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, God is identifying with need, not with their strength and not with their pride. God, this is the God who says, I will now arise and identifies himself with the unprotected. Throughout the Bible, we see God identifying himself with the widow and the orphan, not just widow and orphan as a category, but all, but widow and orphan because who else is going to protect them? And here again, God says, because they are plundered and grown, I will protect them from all those who malign them. So then David says, well, in this push and pull of their words and God's words, their words and God's words, David says in verse 6, God's words are trustworthy. The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. David says, hey, I'm surrounded by lies and I hear their words. It's the loudest voice in my head saying, this is who you are. This is what's true. Nobody's going to deliver you. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be safe. And then when he hears God's words, David says, the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. So then David puts his trust, verse 7, you, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. Wicked are those, verse 8, who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. What I love in verses 7 and 8 is David says, if God says I'm going to protect then David says, then I'm going to put my trust in him. And yet, verse 8 doesn't just go, and then everything is great. Verse 8 doesn't end with, and they lived happily ever after. Look look at verse 8. So he's referring to the wicked. He says, who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. This psalm, Psalm chapter 12, finishes where it starts. It starts with, God, I'm still surrounded by the wicked. So here we're, walk, we're coming to Psalm chapter 12 saying, what is the normal Christian life? And should I just, if I pray these prayers in the right way, is God going to fix everything and nothing else as bad is going to happen? And I'm not going to trouble, struggle with depression and with despair and with fear and with the need to give up and with anxiety I'm not going to be dealing with the temptation to try and find somebody or something to protect me. Psalm chapter 12 is this invitation to hear the words of God in that push and pull with the words of the world while also acknowledging this is still the world that we are living in. What I want to show you today is how Psalm chapter 12 gives us three ways to find security. Three ways to find security in these. The first way, verse 6 tells us, God's words are flawless, so listen to him. Verse 6 tells us, God's words are perfect. Listen to him. You see that push and pull. God, the words of men, they're lying, they're flattering, they're harboring deception in their hearts. God, their tongues are boastful. Our lives are threatened because the things that they say. And then verse 5 is this invitation to say, but this is what God says. 
in the silence of the world, this wilderness that says, where is God? Who is going to lord over us? God speaks. And so this passage invites us that when we need security, you need trustworthy words. When you need security, you need trustworthy words. And so this is an invitation to say, God's words are perfect. So I'm going to fill up my prayers with God's words. I'm looking at, uh, uh, I'm looking at uh, uh, the coming months, the coming years, and all I see is fear and anxiety, and I'm worried about this happening, and I'm worried about this person, and I don't know where this is going to go, and I don't know how this is going to be provided for. Psalm chapter 12 calls us to fill up our prayers with God's words. This is an, this push and pull inviting us to say, Yes, there are words that surround me. Yes, there are words in my ears that say nobody is going to protect you. Nobody is going to take care of you. And Psalm 12 says, no, that God is the one who speaks into this silence and into these lies. And it is an invitation for us to listen to Him and go back to His words and fill up on His words over and over and over. Because the remedy in Psalm chapter 12 is God speaking. So the last few weeks, we've had some of the hottest days of the year and told a couple people, a couple people recently about the hottest day I ever experienced. And I'd spent the summer working as a maintenance guy at a camp on the Louisiana-Mississippi border. And so it's normal for the temperature to be 100 degrees. That's pretty normal. Heat index is normally over 100. But one of the last days I was working there, at the end of July and uh, beginning of August, we had a day that was 107 with a heat index of 117. Now remember, I'd been working outside, weed eating and mowing and fixing things all summer long in the Louisiana heat. And then this day was just a whole other ball game. With that heat index of 117, as soon as we would step outside, I would feel every pore in my body open up to let sweat out to try and cool me off. And so we spent the whole day going outside to work and then stepping inside to get something, some Gatorade, some water, something to try and stay hydrated because I was sweating so much that day. And so it, it felt kind of strange. Again, I'd been outside all summer, but I realized that day I have to keep filling up because I'm losing so much water. So when I think about hot days and I think about heat, I, I think about that need to constantly be filling back up with Gatorade and with water. And I was thinking of that this week because this, this psalm talks about these moments where the wicked are all around and we see no way to be delivered and the loudest voice in our ears says, you will never be protected. You will never be safe. You will never be cared for. And in the same way, in that incredible heat, we had to constantly fill up. This passage tells us that we have to constantly be filling ourselves up with God's words because we cannot handle the heat of the lies of men and the tongues of men on our own. We can't just, well, I'll just try and get through this. I'll just try and navigate it. I'll just, because when the heat of the world is so hot, when the voices of men are so incredibly loud, we've got to constantly be filling up. That's why daily Bible reading. That's why family Bible reading. That's why being with God's people in church is so important because in the hot days of 2021, when the voices of men say so many lies, so many threats, 
So many, you will never be protected. You will never be cared for. We need God's words to fill us up coming in our ears. We need perfect words. And so we have to listen to him. One of the ways to be really practical with that, that I've discovered helps me fill up with God's words is if you're like me, it's easy to read the Bible in the morning. Maybe you read the Bible at night or you've tried, but then an hour later or two hours later, you go, I don't, I have no idea what I just read. I read a chapter. I read two chapters. I read three chapters. I'm reading through the Bible this year, but if you ask me what I read, I couldn't tell you a single word. <laughs> if you're like me, that's, a, that's been a problem. And so one of the things I discovered that's, that has been incredibly helpful is to, when I read the Bible, whether it's on my own or whether it's reading the Bible or a story Bible with my kids, picking out a line or a sentence and pulling that out and saying, this is going to be my prayer today. And I'm going to say this prayer for myself. And then I'm going to say this prayer for my wife. And then I'm going to say this prayer for my kids. And then I'm going to say this prayer for my church, our church. And so by the time I've prayed it about five times, if you asked me later on in the morning, what did you read today? I can tell you, well, this is what I read. And this is how I prayed for that. Some of you may have received a card on a birthday or a, for an anniversary or just an encouragement that I'm praying for you. That's because what I was writing to you is this is what I read this morning. And this is how I'm praying for you. And so this passage calls us, God's words are flawless. Listen to him. The, maybe the encouragement for you is to say, when I read God's word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sentence. I'm going to take some heart of this and begin to pray this over and over so that it's in my heart. And then as the day goes on and the lies come in, the threats come in, the, the discouragement sets in, the voice that's actually in my head is this, this line or this sentence from my Bible reading today. Because God's words are perfect, and I think those words can crowd out, drown out, and drive out the voices that I hear. That's the first way that we find security in this passage. That's the first way that we find security. The second way that we find security, verses 5 and 7, tell us that God promises to protect, so trust Him. Verses 5 and 7 say, God promises to protect, so trust Him. Verse 5. God acknowledges because the poor are plundered and the needy grown. He acknowledges that there are poor and there are needy. I see and I hear the people that say, God, I just don't have it. I don't have enough strength to get through this temptation. God, I don't have the strength to get through this, this guilt and this shame that I've been bearing for so long. God, I don't, I don't have it. God promises to protect the people that don't come to the day, don't come to the week, don't come to this year with enough. God promises to protect and deliver. See, he acknowledges the, that there are poor and needy. There are those who need protection. And his answer to them and says, I will now arise. I will now arise. This is God's answer to the cry of Israel. We see it first in Numbers chapter 10 when when the people of God would go to battle, they would say, Arise, Lord, and go with us. That was, their, that was their battle cry, is God, come with us. Arise, Lord, and come with us. Psalm chapter 3, it's this prayer. God, please arise and come and deliver. We saw that weeks ago. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 10. If you're taking notes, you may want to write that down. 
This is again God echoing, Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will be lifted up. This is God saying, I'm going to protect. I'm going to answer the prayer of your heart. When you have no words to pray, just God help. God says, here I come. So, you're here today. This says, God promises to protect. So lean in and trust Him. The right reaction to God's perfect promises is to trust. The right reaction to God's perfect promise is to trust Him. The temptation that we deal with is this this temptation we saw in Genesis chapter 3. When the serpent comes to Eve and says, Did God really say? Did God really say? That's Satan, that's what he loves to do. Does God really protect? Does he really hear? Does he really care for you? Does he really care about your spouse or your kids or your grandkids? Does he really care about your neighbor? Does he really care about your bills? Does he really care about these things? That is the voice of Satan coming in to your life. And did God really say? Psalm chapter 12, verses 5 and 7. God promises to protect I mentioned Genesis 3. One of my favorite things about Genesis 3 is Adam and Eve disobey. And God comes and that is where we're introduced to the curse. Cursing the ground, cursing childbirth. But God promises in Genesis 3.15 to fix the situation before he ever curses Adam and Eve. If you read Genesis chapter 3, this whole thing where Satan instigates it with did God really say... Adam and Eve fall into disobedience. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 tells us that God promises to deliver Adam and Eve and their offspring, saying, I will fix this before they ever hear the curse. What we find in that is this God who is always proactive in hearing and seeing the need of his people and coming to provide it. This passage, God promises to protect, so trust Him. So, will you trust Him? We can't read Psalm chapter 12 about this invitation to trust without looking at ourselves and going, do I trust Him? And then, will I let Him work on His terms and trust Him for those two? I don't know. I don't know, like, the questions that are on your heart. I don't know what the years have stolen from you. I don't know those parts where you go, God, do you, do you mean that? What about that day? What about that year? What about him? What about her? I don't, I don't know what the years behind hold. But Psalm chapter 12 is an invitation to hear perfect words of promise. I will arise and then to trust him. Maybe you're here today and you actually need to trust him for the first time. Maybe you come here today and you need to trust Jesus for the first time. You've never trusted him on any terms. What do you say, Joe? What does it mean to trust Jesus to fix this? Jesus, Joe, how do I know that God is going to arise and deliver somebody like me? You don't know my story. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. The Bible tells us that it's not the things that we do. It's not the things that we will do that can save us. It's whether or not we've trusted in Jesus. 
If you're here today and you're going, I want this promise, I will arise for myself. How can that be mine? That This can be mine. There's kind of four steps to how I tell the story. The Bible tells us that God made the world and He made it good. And He put Adam and Eve in the garden with one rule, to live under Him. But Adam and Eve said, no, we're going to live our own way. We're going to do our own thing. We don't need you. That's what verse 4 says. By our own tongues we will prevail. Our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? The Bible calls that sin and says that all who sin are separated from God forever. In this life and then in physical death in hell forever. But instead of leaving us there, the Bible tells us that that Jesus came and lived the life that we should live and died the death that we should die so that all who repent of sin and trust in Jesus only to save them. That's where this trust comes in. Then can know that God says, I will arise and He means it. That nothing I have done will stand in the way. Nothing I will do will ever come in the way and make Him change His mind about me. This says God promises to protect, to trust Him. Maybe today, this is the day for you to turn away from sin and say, Jesus, save me, protect me forever. If you have questions about that, grab me at the end of the service while we sing. Because I want to make sure you, if this is the first day that you trust Him, that you can do that today. So, this passage tells us three ways to find security. One, God's words are flawless. Listen to Him. Second, God's prom- God promises to protect to trust Him. And third, sometimes we pray from really dark places. Plant yourself at His feet. Sometimes we pray from really dark places. Plant yourself at His feet. You see, that's what Psalm chapter 12, verses 1 and verses 8 do. Right? It's not this promise that, man, if you just come to Jesus, everything's going to be great. If you come to Jesus, the sickness will go away. You'll be totally healed. You'll be wealthy and you'll be happy. And all of the sad things, you'll just remember them no more. And everything's going to be awesome. Psalm chapter 12 doesn't leave us in that place. It starts with help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. And it finishes with the wicked who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. It starts and ends with the wickedness and unfaithfulness of men. And so I, for one, am thankful when we look at Psalm chapter 12. That acknowledges this is where we really are and doesn't expect us to just shove it to the side and ignore it and move on and put a happy smile on our face because following Jesus is a game. Instead, it acknowledges this is the real heartbreak that we deal with, the chronic pain that we live with, the loss that never gets undone. I'm thankful that God doesn't leave us wondering what we did wrong. Why prosperity isn't for us? You see, Psalm chapter 12 is this prayer. This prayer from that that yet time. That time where we're just waiting and saying, God, this is still where we really are. God, like, I'm still sad. God, I'm still anxious. God, I'm still wondering what's out there. That's what we see when we look at Romans chapter 8. People often quote Romans chapter 8 as if it makes everything okay. But what I'm struck with as we read it, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Some people quote that as if it just makes everything okay. All right, we're Christians. There's no trouble anymore. Psalm chapter 12, 
and Romans chapter 8 acknowledges that God, sometimes this is still really hard. The trouble is still here. The sword is still here. The loneliness and the tears and the the heartbreak is still here for us. And so Psalm chapter 12 acknowledges sometimes we pray from really dark places. And it is an invitation to say, I'm going to pray even here. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to stay here at his feet in the dark, waiting. I'm waiting for him to arise. So maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, trouble, hardship, famine, persecution, nakedness, danger. Yep, loneliness, sorrow, death. It's all here. This is an invitation for us to say, okay, I'm not a second-class citizen in the church. I'm not a second-class citizen in God's kingdom. God has psalms and songs and prayers for people like me. I'm welcome here. This is my kind of place. I'm going to put myself at His feet. I'm going to keep praying. If you're in a dark place, Psalm chapter 12 says you are welcome here. You've not done something wrong. Psalm chapter 12 says you're welcome. Come here and pray with us. David says come and pray here. This is, this is, this is the part of the, the temple. This is the part of God's kingdom where those of us with broken hearts are going to keep praying and keep longing and keep looking for Him to arise because He promised to. So we've been going through Psalms 1-12. through 12, Wanting to see the, and hear in these prayers God's promises, God's, God's help. Begin to live out what it means to be a Christian in the ups and the downs of life. And I'm so incredibly thankful to find that the wilderness and the desert and the lies and the discouragement is not a threat to me being welcome to come and pray. Isn't that for us? That's for all of us. Is to say that, oh, those of us in the dark get to come to church too. And so we go, oh, okay. I can find security by hearing God's perfect words and listening. I can, I can trust Him for His promises to protect. I can plant myself in his, at His feet in prayer. But what if you don't do this very well? What if you come here on Sunday morning and even this morning you were shaking your fist at God and saying, how long, O Lord? God, why did you do this? Why didn't you care? Maybe you're here today and you despair and live with this doubt. Maybe you come here today and you don't listen, don't trust, and you don't stay. Where's the good news? Where's the good news in this? I'm reminded. I'm reminded of Jesus who lived the perfect life for us surrounded by disciples who said, we will go with you to the limit. And then when it came down to the, that moment of testing, they, the best of them turned their backs and ran. Jesus is the one who was surrounded by lies and faithless people when it mattered most. 
Jesus is the one who from the cross quoted Psalm 31 in your place and in mine. Psalm chapter 31. Verse 5. says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Jesus is the one who from the cross, surrounded by disciples who had rejected Him, who had betrayed Him, had turned their backs on Him, people that had cheered Him coming into the city earlier that week, instead calling for His death at the hands of the Romans, from the cross says, For you and for me, into your hands I commit my spirit. He prayed this for you. Your curse for not obeying this passage very well, not singing it correctly, is taken away. Your record of singing Psalm chapter 12 is perfect. Your future is secured by the one who knows exactly what it's like to be surrounded by lies, to be discouraged, and to be wondering how long. And yet, from the cross, still entrusted himself to his Father, and to my Father, and to your Father. He prayed in our place. And so the curse is taken away. And we can sing sing and pray Psalm chapter 12, knowing we're not as good as we ought to be, but we're not as good as we have to be, because Jesus did it in our place. So then this song becomes a record we get to sing from his record with the identity of the beloved son. How does Psalm chapter 12 then point us to a kingdom? You heard me say we're kind of praying this in the yet when we're still in a dark place, planting ourselves at his feet. But Psalm chapter 12 still points us forward saying it's not always going to be like this. One day, Psalm chapter 12 will not be a song that God's people sing anymore. One day we won't be praying for Him to arise and to deliver us. Psalm chapter 12 is temporary. One day, one day, all the lies and all the threats and all the fear and all the anxiety and all the despair and all the depression will be taken away. And so we sing chapter, Psalm chapter 12 temporarily. And we say, I'm going to get good at this for now, but it won't be the song I always have to sing. I want you to imagine with me what changes if we become a people and a community that that prays Psalm chapter 12 in this way, who finds our security in the Lord who promises to protect. Imagine what it means for a person who struggles deeply with anxiety, saying, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what school holds tomorrow. I don't know what the kids there are going to do to me. A person who says, I don't know what I'm going to do for a job in the coming days. Imagine what this kind of psalm does for an anxious heart. I want you to imagine what it does for somebody that's weary. Say, I'm not sure how much longer I can go on. How much longer I can go on. Who who finds security in the Lord. Who promises to protect. Not in our ability to, to hang on. Imagine what a difference it makes in a home where people are singing this psalm, praying, planting themselves at God's feet, praying, Lord, Lord, give us security that we can only get from you. Imagine what happens when there's a church that's singing this psalm with the hope that it's temporary, that it won't always be like this. That says, Psalm chapter 12 is our song for now, but it won't always be our song. And so then we can sing it maybe weekly, maybe with faltering lips, 
maybe with our eyes downcast, but longing as a church and as a community for the day when this song is sung no more. And we say, and I will now arise is a statement from the past. And we sing it in true security. Let's pray. God, I thank you that, that the Psalms invite those of us that struggle to come and pray anyway. We thank you that Jesus sang all of these Psalms in our place. And that he invites us to come with his record, with his spirit, and with his identity in